Hello, and welcome to the Love Says Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Johnson, and I'm coming to you from the coast of Maine. In my work as a life coach for the last 15 years, as well as in my personal life, I keep coming back to seeing the beauty of what unfolds when we each uniquely find our way back to a place of love. Love can get us through the most painful moments. It can give us the freedom to grow, the courage to change. And love can also lead us to a whole lot of peace, joy, and possibility. So let's see what happens in us, in our life, and in our world when we listen in to what love says. Hi, everyone. This is Elizabeth. We are going into part two on our conversation on love with Jean Marie Gossard. And I am so eager to uh, continue to talk about it and hear more stories from Jeannie. So, Jeannie, as we continue, I am curious about when you lose hope and about what. And then what brings you back to hope? And I know I had like mentioned if perhaps this connects to some of your time on the marriage equality campaign, or if you want to hop somewhere else, but like, when do you lose hope and about what? I find myself losing hope when I feel really, I feel sort of the realities right in front of my face of the ways in which our, uh, culture is still so deeply embedded in systems of racism and oppression. I think I can really go low uh, because so much time has passed and so much work still needs to be done to, to liberate from the way all of those isms have really filtered down, I feel like into the fabric of our cells, unfortunately. (laughs) And, um, it's funny that you mentioned the marriage movement because what brings me back is my lived experience in the movement for marriage equality. Mm-hmm. It always brings me back to hope. And those experiences just left a truth in my cells that progress, that change does not have to be slow, that it can happen fast when we pour ourselves out into the world with love and vulnerability, when we share our stories when we love revolutionarily, uh, even in the face of a society that tells us not to. Mm. And I just, I totally fell in love with that work as well as the work of transgender rights and um, protecting folks from being fired around the country for being who they are. Um, it, that, that movement taught me the power of personal stories. And mm. there are so many that stick with me one that I find myself coming back to, especially around the topic of love, though all of them have to do with love, uh, has to do with a conservative evangelical pastor that I met who was 80 years old. And he had me come to his home because he couldn't drive. And I met this man at his home and he welcomed me in. And he said, I have a story to tell you about a woman who changed my life. And he shared the story of this uh, little girl that grew up in his congregation. He'd watched her, um, her swim meets. He'd been there for her confirmation. He'd baptized her. Uh, 
she'd been in all the church plays. And when she turned 40, she came into his office and she said, um, we'll call him Reverend John, but I do have permission to tell his story, but uh, <laughs> Reverend John, um, I, I'm gay and I want to come out to my parents and I'm really scared and I want you to be there with me when I do that. Can you be there? And he described to me his experience of this moment in this beautiful way where he said, you know, all of he, all of his teachings um, of the Bible and what he had been taught, everything handed down to him. It was like his rational mind was like a red alert thing was going off in, mm. you know, like a robot, like does not compute. He, he was like in pretty extreme duress. He describes it like he was mm. like his whole body. He, he didn't know what to do because of everything that was going on in his body. And yet he said that um, before he could respond, he heard his own voice responding and that it was as if like love his like deep love for this Mm -hmm. for this woman welled up inside of him and he said he was like for him it was like the voice of god Mm -hmm. but it was his own voice when it came out it was his own voice and he said of course Mm -hmm. i will be there and she was like great i'll see you monday you know like she it it hadn't even (laughs) what struck him was that it hadn't even occurred to her that he would not be supportive. Mm. And yet his whole body was like, whoa, I don't know how to do this. And then it was what it was love that brought him to um, yeah, up. So that that's that's one that and he said it changed his life. I mean, he was at every state house day, he spoke with the legislators, um, told telling his story, and it changed his entire outlook around faith and his um his particular connection to his religion. Mm. And I just kind of I love that one. And um, there is one other one that I'll share that uh, there was this woman on the campaign that um, she was a volunteer and she would come to every event, but she wouldn't do anything. (laughs) So from my experience as an organizer, you know, I'm like younger and I was just frustrated because I was, you know, the work of campaigns is inspiring people to action. And, but she was so shy and she was so introverted and she would, um, just come, but she wouldn't be able to be on the phones. She wouldn't be able, she didn't do much else. And then, um, when we, we won, finally changed the hearts and mind of this legislator that we were working on and the campaign was ending. Uh, she came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, Jeannie, I have been working at my firm for 40 years. And I just want you to know that I came out I came out on Thursday to my entire, like my whole staff. And she said, and it was incredible. Mm. Um, and that was another moment of just like love and hope. And this is what the movement was really about. Obviously it was about getting the votes, right. And getting the actual rights. But I think behind the scenes, it, there was the beauty of just building queer community and, folks being able to be themselves in spaces they'd never been before and shine and share and speak and be heard and seen. And that 
I'll, I will always remember that woman coming up to me, especially because I've been like, she did nothing, right? And she did everything. She did everything. So she did like one of the most revolutionary acts of that entire campaign. So, yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about that preacher. I, I don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. title of that person, but, and that moment of like, which I feel like we've all had in different ways, right? Where like, conditioning is battling like loving truth right like where mm-hmm. like that that war right right that can happen totally between our minds and like our hearts and our souls and our truth and oh my gosh um if, if as of this this moment and then i i want to go into an kind of another moment from your life but as of this moment if if someone's listening to this and they want to again put their love into action, um, especially around two of the things you mentioned, but around trans rights, around anti-racism, and like changing, evolving, living outside of systems of systems of oppression, like really easy things to talk about, very different things, right? To live. What you would what you would offer for like a first step or a next step if someone wants to be more of service in this work? Ooh, that's a beautiful and really big question. I mean, are you thinking are you thinking of resources and organizations to turn folks onto, or are you thinking more? I mean, I always start. I think the best place to start is with ourselves and is Mm -hmm. with trying to dismantle the systems of doubt in ourselves, depending on what our identity may be. Mm -hmm. And then also trying to do, um, I mean, for me as a white person, trying to um, read books written by black authors, trying to, that, that are intentionally helping to educate folks, white folks like me who have been raised to believe that, you know, the world supposedly became slightly more fair at some point in time when it really didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's the best starting point, self-reflection and resources that guide folks throughout that. Um, But, but I do have, I mean, I do have wonderful organizations that, you know, I, that are doing incredible work where if you want to jump right into phone banking or you want to jump mm-hmm. right into connecting with communities that are doing incredible work, there are a lot of wonderful resources out there. The Black Lives Matter movement's doing really amazing things, both on a global scale and also by essentially giving money to individual families in need um, of it. And all sorts of neat stuff. The Trevor Project is a really incredible mm-hmm. LGBTQ youth um, suicide for prevention organization mm-hmm. that just does beautiful work. Uh, so many. I mean, there's so many resources yes. out there. I don't. Yeah. Sorry if yes. that's. Well, I'm not sure exactly no. what you're looking for. No, that's exactly what I was looking for. And I think because I think it's both, right? And depending yeah. on someone's season it's and where. I, but yeah. I think we're kind of in both. And I know we had talked about too. I think the first resource where it was like held space for me to go in, and and also just learn. So talk about yeah. curiosity, right? And exactly. Um, but was doing doing the book me and white supremacy as Mm a as a workbook and doing it with I really encourage I did it with Lauren and another dear friend of ours 
and we met weekly and each week one of us would like not want to be there right or would freak mm-hmm. out or would ha- be ashamed or all of these all of these things it, again i keep imagining that preacher right in that moment of the body the mind feeling one thing and then the, i'm imagining the soul and the heart feeling mm-hmm. something else and that war that kind of happens as we change and grow totally. and evolve and come to the truth and learn um so that that yeah, that book too is a resource I feel for the inner work and then those two organizations um, for those who want to reach out and serve or phone bank, donate, be just um, connected. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I know we could do a whole episode on that question. Right, right. Um, so, but I just wanted to make sure, yeah, that there was some some space for that as well. I'm wondering, and if anything else pops from that and you want to, you want it, something else wants to come in, but I'm curious about a time in your life when fear was like so loud that it literally almost stopped you, mm-hmm. but the force of love, like mo- looking back now, you see that the force of love moved you forward anyway, right? Even though you were like, a huge part of you probably was like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm, I'm curious about a time when fear was so loud, but love actually didn't allow you to stop. It kept you going towards what was meant for you or an experience you were meant to have. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. I, all of these are big. I know <laughs> they're all just big. Like, I, know. I don't do like way. small talk. Oh. <laughs> This is hard for Ed, for me because I feel like there've been a number. Um, would you prefer like an empowerment story or or a story where like love, like I feel like universal love, kind of like saved my life? Oh, I don't know. I kind of want universal love saved your life story. Okay, all right, I'll do that. One. <laughs> okay, so I'm good. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. I haven't really told that one. I think. Um, so I, I, on one of my hikes on the Pacific Crest Trail, I went into the Sierra Nevada mountains um, a little earlier than most folks do, and they were blanketed in snow. They were spectacularly beautiful. And uh, I had an experience there at, on a mountain pass where I found myself caught in a storm, a really intense storm, um, really fine, like it was it was snowing so fine and so blanketing that I couldn't even see my own feet. It was like whiteout, whiteout conditions, essentially. And one thing I told myself heading in there was, well, I can always turn back, right? I'll give it a little go and I'll see how it is and then I'll turn back. And this was an experience where I came to sort of uh, the end of a ridgeline, which there was this giant wind tunnel in a pass and I couldn't, I physically could not move through it. And that was where the trail went. And so I had to turn back. And uh, when I turned back, I was expecting to see my snowshoe prints, which are, you know, three feet deep because Mm -hmm. it's in pretty heavy snow. And I turned back and because it was snowing so intensely, I could not even see my, my prints. They had already been filled in with snow. And that's when your heart rate just like skyrocket yes elizabeth yes (sighs) and and that was when fear showed up and showed up hard and i do i'm kind of a believer that there's healthy fear and then there's Uh unhealthy fear and i think the healthy Uh fear was okay i need to 
it's time to get out of this situation. <laughs> but, you know, the unhealthy fear is you can't, right? That voice is like, um, you can't. And, and, and then rising panic, right? It, like a butts panic as a, as a thing like fear can do. And um, mm-hmm. so I started heading back. And one thing that happened as I was walking back I, was that the snow started to move in a large swath. Like I was in a mini avalanche, what I would describe as like a mini avalanche, but it was moving slow enough that that actually didn't scare me a ton. It just reaffirmed that, okay, I do really need to get out of this situation. Oh my God. I can't believe <laughs> yes. avalanche. Did you have a moment where you were, whether this was coming from fear or just because talk about a place where our, again, our fear originally was for like physical survival, right? Like, and, and that belonging came from that. Like, God, talk about a physical survival moment. Did you feel like I'm going to die here? Um, yeah, a little bit. It, well, it wasn't quite, not quite in that moment, but a few minutes later, <laughs> I decided oh. to pitch my tent to, because I was getting really cold and I was decided to pitch my tent and get my sleep, getting my sleeping bag and try to kind of like come up with a plan because I had no clear pathway back and no clear pathway forward. So I did that on a pretty severe slope. So what happened was a ton of snow, like fine granules of snow blew up under the fly of my tent and into my tent and onto my down sleeping bag. And that is when, for folks who don't know, if down, if like goose down gets wet, it's a sort of a kiss of death for like, you can't stay warm in it. Um, you need to get down dry for it to keep you warm as, as warm as you need to be. So when that happened, when I saw the layer, fine layer of snow on my, on the sleeping bag, that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to die now. Like this is, you know, I've just like made a strategic error. <laughs> and oh though, honestly, I don't think I could have done a diff- made a different choice because I was so cold that I did need that sleeping bag for that moment in order to move mm-hmm. on to the next one. So yeah. whatever. But um, in that moment, after two weeks of being in the Sierra with, and having no service at any point on any peak, I flipped up my phone like service to see, and there was one bar of LTE. And I was able to call out to a local guy who was able to tell me that the valley I was looking down on was a valley that I could walk out from because you don't want to drop into valleys if you don't know where they're going because you could just get stuck down there. Mm. Um, And I obviously wasn't going to push my emergency button because the conditions were so intense that, and I'm an EMT, you know, I I didn't want Mm. my death to be the reason three other people also Mm died. So yeah. So I was like, okay. But when I got this one bar, I, and that, and that was able to reach that guy and he was able to tell me, you can drop down to that lake that you see, and then you can walk due East and you'll eventually make it to civilization. I, I had this moment. And then as I started to descend using my crampons and all this gear, descend to that lake, and as soon as I came, dropped like 2,000 feet, I was no mm-hmm. longer in a storm. You know, the storm was really mm-hmm. up just at that really high elevation. I was in like sunny. It was like sunny. There was, I could see the ground, which I haven't seen, hadn't seen in several weeks. And then I had access to water. And when I was, as I was coming down after that phone call, I just had this overwhelming, like love and gratitude rush and this eerie feeling like, mm-hmm the universe wants me alive kind of feeling Mm. like maybe Mm. there is something higher than me that 
does value my life, which was like a really weird, like, I don't know, you know, who knows what that, what is there, but I, I felt a very strong and eerie sense of like, it's the universal love and like connection to all of these, to something that, Mm -hmm. that brought me out. Um, I'm not articulating that very well at all, but you are, well, uh, I mean, I just feel like like indescribable, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, but it's also like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, it sounds like as you're perceiving it, like the universal love gave you one bar. You know what I mean? Like yeah, in a time really. where that would, I mean, and it just, oh my gosh. I also, it is incredible to think, terrifying, beautiful to think that like 2000 feet can make that difference. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm sure we could use that as a metaphor for a lot of things, but I just, it's honestly, it's one of the reasons on the trail, like I, like I was so grateful not to hear these stories from you when you were on trail, because mm-hmm. like then I can only imagine like how your parents, th- right, right. Or some yeah. of our friends who get very <laughs> worried, like, because yeah. these moments of like that ca- are risk, but that are connected to such like experience expansion of adventure right and such Mm -hmm. like and then in that moment again it's so interesting like two of the worst moments like when you were talking about being in the no trespassing sign right and you were just like yeah like and then this moment like this moment that there was something something greater right like brought you then back to human connection which brought you to safety right and like all like within the midst of this unbelievable nature Oh my gosh, that, yeah. um, oh my gosh, that story. Are you ever like, wait, what did I do? What Do you ever look back and you're oh, like, definitely. that was me? What? Yes, 100%. In fact, frequently, especially in the winter, because I really, I'm really a wimp. Like I'm a yeah, real wimp like when it comes cold. to cold. Yeah. And so I'm like, what? What did I do? But I do think that there was like, there was just something very beautiful in that moment because I've had really, I've had some really low moments and there was something about that moment where first I like, I realized I wanted to be alive that Mm. I really wanted to be able to see the next moment and the next mountain and take the next step. Mm -hmm. And that I wasn't alone Mm -hmm. in that feeling of love Mm. for, for myself. I did really feel like loved by the universe, the mountain, the whatever, mm-hmm. as it was saying, nope, <laughs> you know, as it was saying, like, here you go. You know, at the beginning when I was like, you know, she inspires me and then there are things I'm never going to do, I, you know, and who knows, like life is, who knows, but there are like, yeah, just some of these experiences, it's so interesting to see what your body, your soul, your divine team guide you to things that two other people may be like, never, right? And mm-hmm. and you're, again, when you're guided to them, these parts of you and this like support around you within you like steps up in this way that I'm just like, I don't think you came this time around to have a boring life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just your, um, your call to these pretty remarkable experiences, you know. Um, Speaking of remarkable experiences, this will probably be the last story. And then I'll ask like a kind of like our final like grounding um, question. But I, we haven't talked yet about you 
um, being a wildfire firefighter in Alaska, which you were. And I'm wondering if you could just like do a short, like, what does that mean? (laughs) What does that entail? Like, and then here, and you can change this. You could be like, no, I want to answer in a different way. But I'm wondering if you can share a story from one of your fire seasons that's like outrageous or ridiculous or again, like hilarious or, which I know can put pressure on. So don't pick that one if it doesn't (laughs) pop. Um, But, or like a moment that you look back and you're like, oh my God, that was me. That was life. That was the potential of my body. You know what I mean? So like just something that kind of like a little bit of an outrageous experience while you were in these fire seasons. Hmm. Oof. There's two, there's two that come yeah, to mind. I'll try to, okay. Okay. Well, one is, is pretty silly. I, it's, uh, in Alaska, they, <laughs> there's definitely ego in the profession. Okay. The name of our group is called the hot shots. Like that's an actual position <laughs> that you can be is that you can be a hot shot and that's oh like God. not, a, you know, it's a real thing. And so, um, there's of course a lot of weight put it, put on being strong and being really fit and going, showing up really fit. And, uh, we would do these training hikes to train for when we're on a steep slope on a fire and we have to carry water for the crew. We carry these giant, um, they're, uh, 45 pound, essentially cardboard boxes with water in a plastic jug inside. And then we, um, slide our tool, which is sort of like an ax. It's called a Pulaski through this box. And then we hoist it up over our shoulder. And in order to kind of weed out those who they deem weak, we, and to train us, they make us climb up the ski slope with these, it's called a QB hike. And those water jugs are called QBs and they make us do this. And um, we have to keep a certain pace. We have to keep in lockstep with each other and you can't gap or slow or anything like that. And on my, in my first year on one of these hikes, um, someone essentially started to gap so they started to slow down and I was behind them and someone yelled, Gossard, like pass him and close the gap. And so then I had to run. I had to like run with this thing on my back and close the gap. And that, that kind of exertion, even though it was a really short period of time, which is, I was totally bushed. Like I was like, oh no, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up now, even though I like closed mm-hmm. the gap. Then it happened again. They said the same thing, guilt, Gossard, go around and close the gap. So then I like closed the gap of that other person who sort of was dropping out. And then I was like, if this happens one more time, I'm not going to make it. My, my, my pulse was pounding in uh, my like brain, you know, kind of like my cerebrum. And my thoughts were, the thoughts, the three thoughts that I had that I really got a kick out of were, the first thought was, I need encouragement. And then <laughs> the <laughs> second thought was, you don't need encouragement, Jeannie. You have everything you need. And then the third thought was, I can't fail. I have to do this for women kind because I was the only woman on the crew. So I was like, I cannot like gap or fail. And then sure enough, like two seconds later, we, everyone, we made it to the top. And I was like, oh my But I was this, I mean, I was literally like seconds or microseconds away from falling over, oh passing out, whatever, God. whatever you will. So that's like a little bit of a silly one. Another oh one. That no, was- but wait, can I say real quick? I, what I love about that too, um, is that moment where three different 
I don't know how you'd identify it. Like I would say like three different parts of you, right? Yeah. Like three different, like, <laughs> um, like we're, you know, like coming up at the same time. But what I love is that they were like all together, right? These like different <laughs> yeah. places of thought and of, it, I just, the yes. And I love, and thank goodness it was like <laughs> the end. Because I was actually right. going to say like during that, and then I want to hear the other story, during your time and training for fire, which was like so physically intense and I'm guessing mentally and emotionally as well. Did you actively self-talk or did, like, do you know what I mean? Like, did you encourage yourself mm. with your thoughts? Did you encourage, like, was oh, yeah. it more about the breath? What, like, what, what actually encouraged you during that time? I, yes, I needed a lot of positive self-talk because I had a lot of anxious moments, especially after they told me I'd be the only woman. And I just started getting into old stories um, from childhood, tomboy years. And I, what would I do? I will, I remember, but I, the training was so focused and so physically rigorous. And so it'd be like, how many push-ups can you do? And I remember I realized I'd sort of trained the wrong way and I had a huge breakdown, like, oh no, I'm going to fail the physical fitness test because I trained wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I zoomed out, you know, in a moment of like, mm -hmm. I zoomed out. I was like, Jeannie, these are push-ups. Because like, <laughs> you know, you need to zoom out. Like, this is ridiculous. Like all of this is our mind, our world, like none of this is real. Like, and so those sorts of things, what did I do? I have not a lot. I don't know if breath work came in. It should have, I should have like meditated. That would have really helped because that's a huge tool for me now. Um, but I think it was just self-talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and also yeah. like knowing you, I, I feel like I felt this on our trip, like Lauren and I, where my, there was a bigger why, there's a bigger purpose than our like temporarily being comfortable, right? These moments when we're like, again, we were hiking elevation or this or that. And I was like, oh my God, I wish like, and it was like, no, there's a bigger, there's a bigger divine game afoot. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I feel like you just, again, from knowing this is just through me, but like watching you, like you have, I just feel like deep in your soul, you have these like integrity filled knowingnesses. And then sometimes they connect like to an experience where the the bigger why the bigger purpose the bigger like experience like um it, you give more attention to than the momentary discomfort or anxiety mm -hmm. or i don't know i see you do that often um, and I think, again, you know, I'm all for like enjoying and comfort and like, w again, when it's aligned with our values and like, in like feeling good, like I'm so much about that. And there are times where, again, getting outside of that, right. It really, um, for these bigger experiences. And I feel like almost every story you've told is some version of, of that, but then you have these moments of like, so when you reach mm. the top, yeah. And you got there. How did you feel? I felt amazing. I mean, I felt empowered. Like I didn't think I could do that. I definitely didn't think I could do that. Cause our first day lifting the, I couldn't even lift the QVB onto my oh own my shoulder. Like I needed help. I was like, can you help me get this on my shoulder? And, and so yeah, that was, it was huge. And then comically, um, one of the leadership, everyone like runs to go pee or whatever. And I, and I was I ran to go pee and I was in the woods when I, but I overheard one of the leadership yell. And he was like, 
He was like, Gosser and myself weigh 140 pounds. We're carrying 75% of our own body weight. How do you think it feels? I'm like, you know, like this. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and it was, but it was kind of funny. It was a moment of uh-huh. feeling seen, like in that yes. like yes. toxic yes. masculinity bro culture, like being <laughs> seen. And these were, yeah. I was with like yeah. really wonderful, really wonderful mm-hmm. men. So mm-hmm. the whole experience is actually incredibly positive, but. Oh my gosh. Okay. One, yes. If, if you still feel good about one more story, I'd love to hear one more story. Okay. Yeah. So this, this one was for the second, the second year when I was kind of, it would have been my official first year as a hotshot, as opposed to like a, someone training to be one. And then I was pulled up to the hotshots halfway through that first year, but this is the second year and we were going to have an official physical fitness test. They called it a challenge, but it's like, um, how fast can you run a mile and a half? How many push-ups can you do in three minutes? How many sit-ups and how many pull-ups? And people make a really big deal out of this thing and uh, became a comical source of anxiety, right? And then I would try to do the zoom outs, but then I'd also be like, but this is my life. What do I, you know, how do I reckon with that? And the night before were to, were to do this, one of my former leaders and someone who I do consider a friend in that community, we were having a conversation about, um, trans folks in sports and he is in a different part of the political spectrum than I am and just a different space. And it really illuminated his sexism basically. And then after this conversation, he continues on this, like whatever tirade he's on and says, Gossard, you are definitely going to finish last tomorrow. Like, are you ready for that? And I was like, I didn't even know, what to do with that. And it was wild because I went back to my room and I didn't sleep that night very well. And I rolled around and I remember like staring up at the ceiling and talking to myself, being like, Jeannie, that little girl inside of you that has always believed that he is wrong may be proved wrong tomorrow with the numbers. Like you have to emotionally and mentally prepare to possibly finish last. And then, you know, my other voice would be like, bull BS, you know? And then... (laughs) And then, but then I, but then I couldn't sleep. So (laughs) I woke up the next morning, this wonderful other leader right before the run says, Hey, like it's total privilege that we even get to do this at all, that we get to run around and test ourselves, just go out there and run for joy. Mm -hmm. And it was just what I needed to hear at that moment. It was beautiful. And when it was all said and done, I finished better. I finished better than over half. My numbers were higher than over half in every single category, over half of the crew, the 20 person crew. And some of these kids are 10 years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was kind of blown away. Like I, it was, I realized that I had let not only other people's doubts, but that I still had doubts. And it was a beautiful moment of, of just like, I don't know, of, of affirming the, the wisdom that we hold when we're young, <laughs> like yeah. before society gets to us. Yeah. Cause it was yes. that little kid. It was that little kid that was like, I'm just going to run. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to run for joy and we'll see what happens. Oh, I love that story. I love that story. I love that moment too. Also, like you didn't, you, you had those results after a night of not sleeping too, right? Like, mm-hmm. and 
Um, but I love that moment. It, to me, that feels like an angel wink of that, like, just run for joy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, like, these moments yes. that just, like, and sometimes those those winks come from within ourselves. Sometimes they come from one bar on a cell phone. Sometimes mm-hmm. they come from that, uh, come through others often, right? With something that's said that just, like, again, reminds us. And um, thank you. Thank you for sharing those stories. Thank you. Um Okay, my last question, and then it's totally up to you if you want to share a poem. It's completely, truly, whatever feels right to you. Okay. Um, But my last question is, where is love calling you now and next? And you can answer both those, or you can just answer where is love calling you now. But I like to say, yeah, where is love calling you now and next? I really feel like love is calling me right now deeper into partnership. Mm-hmm. I've sort of um, reconnected with a, a big love in my life. And after a lot of years of solitude, trying to figure out how to embody love in partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think that's where love is calling me right now. Where love is calling me next, along the same lines of solid, of having had a lot of time with solitude, I'm feeling really called to share experiences with other people, whether it be people that I know or people that I don't know. I would love to share more experiences with folks, other folks outside. My mom and I just went up um, Mount Katahdin. It's been a dream of hers for several years now. And she has um, a torn meniscus and the doctor was like, you're 74, we're just going to leave it. And she trained and she just poured her heart and soul into manifesting, getting up that mountain. And doing having that experience with her was definitely one of the most special experiences of my lifetime. Mm. Um, mm. The mist like cleared on the summit. You talking about winks? It was like Katahdin was just like winking all over, like just like if you imagine camera one, camera two, camera one, camera, like just <laughs> winking all day long. I mean, we got to the top, the mist cleared for a minute so we could see as far as we come, and then on the way down we saw a rainbow. Like the sun came out, we saw the entire expanse of the spectacular mountain, and it was such a special. Like that's where I started the Appalachian Trail. My mom's been texting mm-hmm. me every day, like, "Remember when we did Katahdin?" I mean, it was just absolutely <laughs> yes, Jane. And so uh, I think, uh, like, I feel called to to share. Um, and I, I was her trekking poles on the way down. Like I, we, I held her hand um, mm-hmm. the entire way down that mountain, and getting down was more impressive than getting up for sure. We finished in 13 hours. We finished in the dark with headlamps. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like um, we were both meant to be there. And I'd love to help kind of usher folks into the the wilderness. Yes. Yes. Oh, that makes me really emotional. Like thinking about your mom and you um, the whole time. But at the end, like that, the... And it's, yeah, I just, and it's just so interesting in this conversation of like the moments of that mountain, right? Like you and Lauren mm-hmm. on that mountain and you seeing that man, like, and then you starting your countless miles, like on Katahdin and then you now having, you know what I mean? Like that with your yeah. mom. Do you feel like, it's so interesting. Do you feel like you get some of that, um, 
like adventurous spirit from your mom? Do you feel like she was inspired by you? Do you know what I mean? Like, how did that weave just with you and your mom kind of getting mm-hmm. to that experience? Um, I think I get my connection, the spiritual connection and the deep uh, love of being outside. I definitely get that from my mom. Mm-hmm. In terms of this specific experience, she felt called to this mountain somehow mm-hmm. many years ago. And then I gifted it to her as like a, a little certificate for Christmas one year and said, hey, this entitles you to one free trip up Katahdin with your daughter, <laughs> like as daughter's guide, you know. And uh, Priceless um, gift, yes. I, I don't know. It's a good question. I think she very much has been an adventurer. Um, and I had never thought about that that much until you asked that question. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, she's yeah. always been an adventure and sort of spiritual in this way that I, you know, as a kid always thought was woo woo. And now I completely like feel and, and like deeply believe. So yeah, yes. she's very much been a part of every element of my journey, but I've never thought about it in that way. Thanks. Mm-hmm. If um, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to con- This is not to put pressure on you being on social media. I'm just saying, like, if, yeah. again, if people wanted to see images or things you've written, like, can they find you on social media? Would you like them yeah. to find you on yeah, social sure, media? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I have, um, I have an Instagram, and it's at Jean Marie Gossard. So not the easiest thing to find. I didn't realize you were supposed to have a cool like handle uh what I it's said your it. name it's, it's perfect your name. yeah and then on there you can find the link to my I do have a website and that has um more photography and some poetry and uh links to other things so what's the link for your website Marie uh, Gossard I think it's Marie Gossard at Wix site <laughs> okay we'll put it we'll connect it, it when we post this and okay. when we email this we'll, yeah. we'll connect it so people can connect with you and would you like to read a poem before we finish oh I don't know um I I definitely can but do you want to I have not read poetry in a really long time oh Sure, and then maybe we can cut it out. <laughs> you, yeah, you read it, and then okay. you can text me after, and you can say, "Let's just cut it," and Paul will cut it. <laughs> okay, it just feels so. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a piece, you know. Mm-hmm. That um, it just feels like a piece of this like beautiful like puzzle of your life. Okay, I think I'll read ancestors because I think that was that one sort of we did touch on some elements of that in today. Um, though, yeah. Okay. Um, so this poem is called Ancestors and I wrote it after a big experience on a snowy mountain called San Jacinto when I, um, felt like my grandmother was really present, which is interesting because she's not a, she's not, she was very much a traveler, but she was not an outdoors person at all. But, um, so this poem was written on the ancestral lands of, um, the Agua Caliente Band of Cahuila Indians, and it's called Ancestors. What if our ancestors were in the clouds, ghost walkers circling snowed summits, calling us forward to even higher peaks? I don't usually think of you out here, but today, after climbing a mountain full of my fear, as I scurry down to safety, I miss you. 
Remember your excited eyes, two inches from my photographs, your curious traveler's heart, interested, eager. Then I look up, another snow-capped mountain. I want to see myself the way you do, boundless strength, dream tackler, stronger than we were ever told. It's funny how fear pollinates our cells without our permission, pouring doubt into crevices we only recognize once they explode, shatter into tiny pieces, return us to the knowing underneath. Mm, Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you to your grandmother, too, for that poem. I can't um, imagine a better uh, way to end this conversation than those words. Yeah. Oh, um, thank you for for taking the time. Thank you for sound checking and <laughs> double sound checking and being open and like sharing your adventures and your fears and your cares and your triggers and your hopes, you know, it's like, it's so funny when I was looking at the questions for you, I was like, I didn't ask one question directly linked to spirituality. And then I had this voice that was like, ha 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 ha. Like every question (laughs) is linked to spirituality. Like, yeah, I just am, um, I'm just so grateful. So grateful for you. I'm so grateful to be like connected and, um, I'm so grateful for you sharing so that tips so that our our community can hear your stories and be inspired by the way you live. Elizabeth, thank you so much. It's so, um, I was so nervous coming into this and you always make every space that I have ever been in with you one that feels like home. Um, Mm. Anyway, I just can't thank you enough for all the work that you do in the world and that you have done with me and Thanks for just sharing these moments. You've been really special. Thank you. And you were one of the very first people I told about the podcast, and I played the theme song yes, I intro for it, and you met it with such encouragement. And my ego was like just looking for someone to be like, eh, I don't know about this, like because I was so nervous. And like the encouragement from you and then the encouragement from you and Boots when I played you that I was like, those were some of my angel wings for um, allowing oh, this to like unfold and be created. So thank you oh. so much. Well, I'm, and- I'm loving it. I'm loving being a listener. Like I just, <laughs> I'm seriously, oh my gosh. It took all my strength not to just steal, um, Mary's nectar reference. Like this morning I woke up, I just woke up thinking about nectar and I was like, it's really just nectar. Like she's so right. It's just nectar. Uh, And that's how I feel leaving every conversation is like, it's partially remembering and then partially, again, really feeling someone else's way of like seeing and connecting and being in the world, like in a way that just enriches so much. So Um, I love you. I have a feeling we'll do this again. And thank you for being here. And I just want to thank you all for listening and being here with Jeannie and myself. And please reach out and see her images and connect with her, her, her work. And um, it's just so grateful for, for the space to connect and have these conversations. And I want to give a 
extra thank you, a deep thank you to those in the Patreon community for your generosity and for supporting the creation and the sharing of this podcast. It really means the world to us. So until next time, inspired by Jeannie, I wish you adventure. I wish you epic love. I wish you realizing your capacity beyond you how you knew it could be. And I wish us love, love, love. So thanks for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye.